Big news for a friend of our show and a friend of ours. Jim Leland is yeah. going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, yes. No one deserves it more. Nobody could be happier for him than us. He's on the line with us right now. Jim, congratulations to you. No, Mitch, thank you very much. It's uh, really exciting. It's a it's a tough place to get in, and, and you can't you can't get there alone. So I'm 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 just ecstatic about it right now. Well, you can't get there alone, but once you get in, you go in alone, and you get that moment to make the speech. And I know right now, without even asking you, <laughs> how you're going to begin it. Uh, I would imagine that would be my choice, but I doubt very much. <laughs> <laughs> I it, it would be a, the most memorable it sure start would. to a Hall of Fame <laughs> oh, speech. Yeah. I'll say it sure would. Yeah. So I read where you thought that you were going to find out by like, I don't know, was what time it was, 530 or something and 15 minutes, 630, 15 minutes passed. And you said, "Um, that's it. I'm not getting in. And you sort of went to your bedroom to collect yourself. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, They said that there was a a window between 630 and 715. But when it got to almost 10 minutes to seven, you know, I told my family, I said, look, this is not going to happen. I'm going to go upstairs and just lay down for a minute, just get my thoughts together. And uh, about that time, my uh, my wife and my son and my daughter all came up the steps, you know, check on me. And just at that point, when they reached the top step, the phone rang. So it was unbelievable. Wow. Mm. And And in that moment before that phone rang, when you thought you didn't get in, what did you tell yourself? I said, well, uh, I, I really didn't think I was going to get in. Everybody thought it was reverse psychology. It wasn't. I really didn't think because it was my first time on the ballot. Uh, Lou Pinella had just uh, lost out by one vote the, year, the last time he was on, I guess, three years ago. I, I really thought that Lou Pinella and Bill White were going to get in. Bill was a ter- tremendous player, uh, an executive, a, a president of the National League, uh, a broadcaster. So I thought, well, you know, I, I'm going to understand, and I'm just going to have to accept that, hey, uh, great to even be considered and put on the ballot, but it's probably not going to happen. Mm. And you were all right with that. Like you had, you had gotten to peace with that on that couple of minutes on your bed in your bedroom. Yeah, I was because I, you know, I've seen like the players ballot and I've seen the contemporary ballot, you know, for a long time. And there's a lot of good people that just, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it's, it's like I said, this is a hard place to get into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you are in mm. and, um, now, nothing but the gravy. You know, you got to figure out <laughs> yeah, a speech right. and all that. Now, right. everyone has wanted me to ask you, um, are you going in as a manager of a particular team? I didn't know that managers needed to make any kind of declaration that way, do they? Well, what happens is uh, the Hall of Fame uh, can end up making the final decision on that. And in this case, if, I don't know if you remember, when Tony LaRusso went in, he really didn't go in with a logo on his hat because – he didn't want to be disrespectful to the Oakland A's or the St. Louis Cardinals, mm-hmm. whichever one. When you manage multiple teams, uh, you know, I, I, I would never disrespect any of them. I, I mean, I could make a case for probably all but Colorado, uh, you know. But uh, so I'm just going to I'm, I'm sorting through that with the Hall of Fame right now. And we're probably we'll come to a decision. But I probably will go in without the logo on my hat because I, I just can't. I mean, if I go in as a Tiger, I offend the Pirates and, and the Marlins. You know, if I go in as right. a pirate, I, you know, I, you know, right. I offend the Tigers. So it's going to be a difficult thing. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think we'll get it right, and I hope people will understand. It's like Skipper, having too me... many ex-girlfriends, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Skipper, let me ask you this. Analytics are all over professional sports right now, in particular baseball. 
Um, would you have been comfortable during your managerial career with the analytics game and what it's all about? Yeah, I would have been because I think I, I, I look at analytics as just information. And when I managed, I had all the information. The front office brought me information down on all the matchups and all the things that go on. And you studied that and you used that information if you thought it was valuable to you. So I don't think I would have a problem with that. Now, there is more of it. You know, it's easier to get and there's more of it than there used to be. So I didn't really go through the bulk of it like like some of the guys are now. But uh, there's some very good information out there right now. It's just that, you know, you have to put it to use the way you see fit. But I, I consider that, like I said, just information. I really don't consider it analytics. Do you remember the first game you managed in the pros? I do. Was, I do. Were you I, nervous that day? I was very nervous. In fact, it was a doubleheader in Whitfield, Virginia against the Whitfield Braves. I was managing the Bristol Tigers, by the way, for the oh. Detroit Tigers. Wow. And that was my wow. first game. We had a doubleheader. We won, We lost 6-5 to five and won 3-2. to two. Not that you remember the details. <laughs> wow. great. That is great. Yes. What was the pitch count on the fourth batter in the second inning? <laughs> and the winning inning? pitcher was. <laughs> I didn't have pitch counts. I didn't use it on Scherzer and Verlander or any of those guys either. I didn't have <laughs> we remember. We remember. Well, as you point out, you managed the Pirates for a lot of years. That was your first you know, a major league gig. Then you managed the Marlins, the Rockies in between. But the Tigers were your last stop. You were 61, if I remember correctly, when you started managing the Tigers, you didn't manage for the previous six or seven years. So right. was there something special about the Tigers run that you, you know, maybe up to that point you thought I'm done, you know, being a major league manager. And then you end up coming in and having all that enormous success with the Tigers. Did that make that last stop in your career different than the previous ones? It did because, I had signed with the Tigers in 1963 in the fall. I went to my first spring training in 1964. And I was with the organization for 18 years, all in the minor leagues, uh, before I got a chance to coach for the White Sox in 82. And so uh, I've kidded about that all the time. I signed with the Tigers in 1963, but I never made it to Detroit until 2006. That's a long time. <laughs> so it, it was special to get that opportunity to kind of come home, so to speak, yeah. And uh, when Dave Dombrowski, you know, called me and everything and talked to me about it, and I went up to Detroit, it was it was special. I mean, I, I, you know, that's where I started. And like I said, 18 years. So to, to get a chance to, to manage that team after all that uh, period of time, it, it was great. There's no question about it. Yeah. When you look back on, um, like, the 2012 team, for example, you had Justin Verlander Loaded. and Max Scherzer on that team. And, uh, uh, and, and now you see these guys, you know, Verlander's going on and won with Houston and Scherzer's bounced around and gone all these guys. Do you look back on, on that, that squad that year and, and when you won the pennant and say, how on earth did we not win with all that talent? Right. Well, I think what happened was, I think, and, uh, you know, it was, it was tough. I tried, but it, 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 the first game of the series, uh, they got to Justin a little bit and hit the home runs and everything. And, uh, it, it deflated us a little bit when we lost that first game and we, we really worked to push because you still, you know, you still either had to win four or lose three. So, uh, but we just, we just didn't hit, uh, in both series, we really didn't hit in, in 2006 and 2012 and we, we couldn't score runs. So, uh, you know, that, that obviously makes it difficult, but yeah, I think, and I, I'm not so sure that 2013 really wasn't our best, best team when we got beat by Boston. In the American League Championship Series. Yep, remember that one too. Well, 
What's funny about it is that that after enough time passes, kind of the stings of of you know the way the season ended, they get dulled a little bit. They're not as sharp as they used to be, and the the joy of you know just having a, a positive team and a lot of memories that gets seems to get elevated. And I think that that's why you know people here in Detroit are so happy for you because they remember a stretch of time where it was really fun to go out to the ballpark and, you know, and and the teams were winning the last three years you were here. I think the team finished in first place. So, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty, pretty damn successful baseball considering what it is. And you were always, I have to say, you know, I've covered, I covered the managers all the way back to Sparky, you know, and outside of seeing Sparky, Anderson in his underwear eating spaghetti while he tried to talk, which was a regular event in his locker. You'd have to like move to the side, and not get spit on while he was talking about meet, meeting the Pope. Um, to talking to you and uh, and and watching you curl your cigarette away from the TV cameras so that they wouldn't catch the smoke was one of the great joys of my career as a sports writer. And and you were always insightful. You were always kind. You were always patient. Humorous. You understood that baseball's, as they said in uh, Bull Durham, it's a long season, and you got to trust it. And you never went too crazy over one game or another. And you were you were just a, a great guy to work around. And I could not be happier for you, Jim. Well, I really appreciate that. And you know, I'm so proud of that time, 2006 to you know, 2013, my final year. I thought uh, those teams, those players. You know, brought the fans back together, brought the city back together as far as baseball was going. And it was a lot of success. And just, you know, we'll never forget about not getting that final piece. You know, I mean, it it, it hurts. But uh, it was a great time. And I do, I do think that, that those players during that period of time certainly revived baseball in Detroit. Well, you did. Well, if you change your mind, <laughs> here's another here's another suggestion that you could just keep going on when you're in the Hall of Fame speech. Go ahead and play it. Get ready. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. So, Jim, will you be mentioning our show in the acceptance speech? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I have written I have written for um, for lesser people, so I am <laughs> I am absolutely ready. If you want a little editing or whatever, it's uh, be be my my honor to uh, dot a few T's and cross a few I's, as they say. Well, I'd appreciate that. All right. Jim Leland, congratulations. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. The best going to the Hall of Fame. It's 760 WJR.